This is Simo, where we help you see more. Hi, I'm Alex Simonzato, and this is the Simo Podcast. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm back. Hope you've had an awesome summer. Hope everyone has managed to get away or have a nice staycation. The SEMA podcast ended up having a natural hiatus through August. We haven't had a show for the last few weeks. To be fully transparent, it can get quite difficult in the summer to pin down amazing guests when everyone is enjoying a well-deserved holiday. Um, but it has been so nice to receive so many messages asking when the show was returning to normal schedule. And it makes me super happy to say that from now, this episode, from now, you can count on weekly episodes. It is you, the listener, that helps grow the community and make this show a success. So please do follow us if you're listening on Spotify or please subscribe if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. And if you think any friends, family or work colleagues would find it interesting, then please do share it with them. It means a lot and I would really appreciate it to help grow the audience. I've also had a few listeners ask about doing a meetup um, kind of a meetup style event to meet in real life, uh, maybe have some drinks or something like that. So do watch out for that. I will be sharing kind of the whereabouts on our Instagram or I will mention it in the next episode. So do check that out and it'd be great to meet some of you guys in real life. If you have any ideas or suggestions, please email me or follow us on Instagram if you're not already and you can DM me. So our Instagram is at Simo underscore presents and my email is alex at simoworld.com. Those links will be in the show notes so it's easy for you to find or you can visit the website www.simoworld.com. But yeah, thanks guys for tuning in. It really does mean a lot and I can't wait to share with you the amazing discussions that we're going to have on a weekly basis from now on. Now, on to the guest this week. I speak with Casey Bird. Over the past 10 years, Casey has lived in Dubai as a creative at award-winning agency Ogilvy. She's also freelanced in London, Paris and Amsterdam for advertising agencies and helping startups with their branding and marketing strategies. And she was also president of She Says and relaunched their mentor program. Most recently, you would have found Casey at Refinery29 as their creative lead in the branded content department, where Casey led a team of creatives and worked for brands such as Samsung and Nike. In 2017, Casey launched the Freelance Circle, a platform to give freelancers a voice and invites them to anonymously review places with a five-star rating they freelanced at with the aim to improve the gig economy. It's a big passion of Casey's and we get some great insight into what it means to be a freelancer today and learn about her career and also how the it's important and what she's been doing to empower um, female creatives. So as always, thank you so much for listening and see you next week. Hi, Casey. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming down. Uh, how's your summer been? My summer's been good. Um, I finished working at Refinery29 at the end of June and I've spent July and August unwinding, refocusing, 
just doing a bit of uh, bit of me time. So it's been really relaxing. Nice not to be on the commute right now. Bit of Casey Casey time. Yeah, I must say as well, Casey Bird. I'm pretty envious of that name. It's like <laughs> sounds like you should have like a. I don't know, like a, a luggage line or a, or a nice handbag line or something. I actually used to hate it when I was <laughs> really? at school. And then really, only in the last year or something, people have started saying, oh, it's a cool name. So I feel like I'm warming to it after hating it. It's got a good ring to it. Casey Bird. That's cool. I yeah. Like <laughs> One person said it sounded like a celebrity and the other person said it sounded like a porn star. So oh, wow. OK. Well, that's, you know, yeah, too, too can't, com- win <laughs> can't win them all. Can't win them all. Cool. Well, really excited to have you on the SEMA podcast. Um, we always like to start with some icebreakers. They're a bit fun. So Great. let's get into it. Favorite color? I, do you know what? I hate this question because I, no, I don't have a favorite quest- uh, favorite color. Well, it could be all of them. Oh, yeah. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Right. Pizza or pasta? I actually absolutely love both, but I would say pasta. Okay. And then what would your favourite pasta be? Like, in terms of, like, dish, not the actual... So I'm going to go for very basic, which is spaghetti bolognese. That's okay. pasta, that's, right? Yeah, that's... It's not that basic. That's good. Yeah. yeah basic would d- just be, like, you know, mixed in, I don't know, arabiata or... Oh, no, no, no. Not, bolognese not is good. Simple. You can't go wrong. Do you go, like, fully loaded, like, mushrooms, onions and everything, or is it just the, um, the, the meat? The I... Meat? Depends what's on offer because I'm I'm thinking eating out. Right. Okay. I'm not a cook. Oh. Okay. So I'm visualizing me sitting in a restaurant right now. Right. Okay. So it'd be pretty <laughs> special then. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, what sound or noise do you love? Oh gosh, I haven't prepared for these ones. <laughs> um. It could be the rustle of the leaves in the autumn. It could be the sound of the ocean. I like the sound of the ocean. Sound I find the it ocean. very relaxing. I, I would love to live by by the sea at some point. Me too. In I think the, the energy is just fantastic. Yeah, it really does. It's real about mindfulness and clears your head. Mm. Um, something that you do not get in the city. No, no, and that's yeah, it's a big a big topic. I think you know people can be so busy in the hustle and bustle on the commute and. Uh, yeah. I think sometimes even just getting away or kind of going an hour outside London, it just does so much to the mind when yeah. you come back the next week. I mean, even the sound of silence is weird. Yeah. Now, if I go out to country, the countryside and sleep in a hotel, it's weirdly quiet. Oh, it's nice. It's, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so unusual. You're right. Because you just get used just to like all the, the sirens and the yeah. the loudness or the people shouting each other. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> my favorite my favorite sound is no sound. Oh, <laughs> lots of curveballs. Okay. Okay, if you were to perform in the circus, what would you do? Um, I can do sort of weird things with my fingers here where I'm clicking them back and forth. Could that, that, is be weird? that is weird. Is that, and then like I don't think that? that's a circus trick. <laughs> no, but if you, want, be. if you could dream to be anything, oh. not something that you can do now. Not that I can do now. No. Oh, um... I love to be the person who on the hoops. The acrobat. The acrobat. Yeah. Sort of You're the second person that said that. It's from a quite a popular um, It's actually a cool thing position. for people to be doing. Um, I've seen it in like Very gyms. Very dangerous though, I've seen don't you it think? In, you know, that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a dangerous person. Yeah. <laughs> Name place you want to travel to right now. India. Nice. I'd like to go to India too. Mm. This is a good one. I like this. Oh, I found no. this today and I thought, oh, I'm going to use it. Oh, God. Describe your personality using ice cream flavors. Oh, gosh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, are you going to ask me why I've cho- No, no. Okay, no, fine, no. that's good because I, I don't have the reasons. Um, chocolate chip 
Um, mint chocolate chip for sure. Yeah. Um, fudge. Ooh. The reason I pick fudge because it's not everyone's taste and that's fine. And then strawberry. Nice. I think that's the mixture I'd go for. Okay. No idea why. why. That. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about it in the office just today and uh, What's yours? lots of interesting ones. I don't know because you can be quite scientific with it. It's like, you know, do you, one, is it is it one flavor or is it multiple? Mm. Um, I don't know. I naturally would go to the flavors that I love. But then when you're yeah. thinking about personality, it's interesting. Someone said kind of salt, salted caramel. Because, and then it's like, that's that's good answer because it's like a combination of the, yeah. the sweet and the salt. You know what I mean? Whereas, salted caramel is very, um, very fancy as well, you know? Yeah. Maybe it should be sort of fancy. Well, yeah. I said pistachio and then some, Ooh, and I didn't niche. really read into it. And then they said, oh, you're rare and expensive. I'm yeah, like, well, maybe. that is. <laughs> that is. I'm um, a very basic strawberry. But yeah, no no one said bubble gum yet. Um, yeah. So. I wouldn't have thought of that one, actually. I think a rare and exotic one, I always remember having green tea ice cream. Oh, yeah, that's... That's a good one. That is another nice one. That's it, like a really nice ice cream pile that's high-end. Yeah, really, really good. Um, but yeah, um, not too sure. I think it can change depending on the mood of the day. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, to round up the icebreakers, a fun fact about you. Uh, Just a quick fun fact, something that... Okay, I always pull this one out and my friends always take the piss out of me for it. So I'm going to say it in case they listen to this and they'll be like, for God's sake. Um, I was one of the first thousand IVF babies in the world. Wow, that yeah. is a good fun fact. Yeah, I actually used to think it was the first hundred and I used to tell it quite often. And one time I said it in front of my parents and they immediately were like, sorry, that's not true. So I had to untell lots of people because they're like, that's completely <laughs> impossible. That's I don't know where you got a story from, so... It's a thousand. Amazing. We've averaged it out. Science today. Fantastic. <laughs> cool. Well, you're here. It's great to have you. Um, you know, I think when we talked initially before you came onto the podcast, there's a lot of synergy in terms of uh, kind of the work you're doing as a freelancer and obviously growing up um, and working your career in, in creativity and, and living mm -hmm. in Dubai and all the stuff that you're going to tell us about. So yeah. thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah. I think naturally you know looking at the, your your site it's you know everything that you do outside nine to five and I can really relate to that because there's lots of little side hustle things I love to do as well but to start off why don't you give us a, a bit of knowledge about who is Casey Bird um, and tell us kind of what you're up to and, and kind of what's your journey been so far sure so um, I'll say in a nutshell it might not end up being a nutshell um, my sort of leap into the industry started I I think I graduated in 2010. Um, I actually pretty much went straight to Dubai after um, graduating. I was doing some internships. I won a DNAD New Blood, which was amazing. It gave me such a uh, sort of a jump into the industry. And then um, we, my old creative partner and I were offered a three-month placement at JWT. We thought it was London until we researched a bit into actually who was messaging us and it was in Dubai. So we... We're like, yep, sure. We didn't even know where it was on the map at the time uh, in 2010, 2011. That's pretty cool. Just went there. Um, ended up actually get, taking a permanent job at Ogilvy, mainly because it had an amazing, uh, amazing array of clients from IKEA to Coca-Cola to Dove. You know, Ogilvy, it's still a um, really great place in London now. Um, and plus, every single person in the office was um, was from a different place, a different country. So. I was sitting next to Lebanese guy, opposite uh, Australian girl with a South African guy. 
amazing uh, Egyptian creative team who won really well at Cannes actually only a few years ago. So it was just really attractive as a young creative just to go there and have a completely new experience. Um, plus, uh, I was getting paid well and I wasn't being taxed. Yeah. So <laughs> when you're 21, 22, you really can't go wrong. Um then I was there for three years, came back and really wanted just to explore the creative industry a little bit more in London because I hadn't obviously ever worked there. So I came back and I was a freelancer for four years. I worked in all kinds of agencies, many typical ad agencies like Grey, I was there for a year, VCP, um, uh, Liberty. But I also did quite a few quite random uh, freelancing jobs just because I wanted just to explore and just push my creativity in different ways. So I worked with these two guys who run a startup um, doing their brand strategy and thinking about how to market um, their brand. Um, I also worked um, for a, a dating app for a short time. I did a lot of sort of stuff like remote work for people. I did a job for um, the Couples in France. So yeah, it was amazing. And in terms of career, then then I led that led me um, into taking a full time position at Refinery Twenty Nine, which is um, a digital publisher, a female digital publishers. Um, and I was the creative lead there for the last year and a half, um, which brings me up to now. So that's my sort of professional career. Amazing. Can we just want to rewind? Uh, that's that's so cool, kind of straight off the bat, winning a new blood. Could you tell me about that and what that project was? Sure. So um, there's a few different new blood awards. We won the, um, oh gosh, I think it was just called the New Blood um, Newcomers. So uh, that's where at DNAD, which is an amazing awards body um, in based in the UK, but people from all around the world submit entries for different awards. But this one, New Blood, is particularly for students who have just finished uni- uh, university. So I had the opportunity to exhibit my work uh, at the Truman Brewery, actually, with, I think, sort of 50, 60, 70 other um, universities. And now I think there's so, so many more, but this was like nine, ten years ago. And then judges go around and look at different people's portfolios and they pick, I think, 10 people out of, I guess, hundreds of students to be the sort of ones to watch. So then when um, when industry people come and view all the new work and try and hunt down new talent, they kind of know who's been given that kind of real seal of approval. So it was the most amazing thing to see the um, ones to watch New Blood uh, award on my portfolio you know, when I came back after the next day or whatever it was, um, it was an amazing boost in terms of getting into the industry, but also just a boost of confidence because you come out of university or college or whatever it might be, you have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea how to get into the industry. Um, And it's so hard to, especially um, for so many young people. So that was just the most amazing um, introduction, really. And And, and what was the, I mean, was the, did you have to respond? Create, create work in response to a brief to win the award or you just got selected no. based on your portfolio? Yeah, so we put up one or two pieces of work. Um, at the time I did a thing for Friends of Friends of the Earth um, and it was an experiential idea. Now I look back at it, it was probably a bit, bit stupid but um, I thought it was a great time and obviously the judges... Obviously it was great, you won an yeah, award. <laughs> the judges thought it was all right too. Um, 
yeah, so, you know, it was just kind of a bit different from a print ad or a TV ad, stuff that was just in everyone's portfolios back then. Instead, I had this idea of, you know, putting bicycles out and doing these different things that were powering the London Eye. So, um, yeah, it was it was great. It was really nice confidence boost, really. Nice. And... Uh, you said a creative partner. Was that kind of the traditional, you were the designer, you had a copywriter? or so I was the copy and oh, okay. he was art director. So he still works um, at an agency in London, actually. Uh, but we went our separate ways when we came back to London. Nice. And what about old school, Casey? Like how come, you know, you mentioned going from uni to um, to then kind of going into design when the new blood and going to Dubai. But like, had we always creative? Did you... Was there an aha moment when you knew that you wanted to kind of get into creativity, marketing, advertising space? Um, I always liked being creative, but to be honest with you, at school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, people... As like, does everyone, yeah. I know, but then even when we got to sort of doing our A-levels, I was still like... You still I, wanted to be an astronaut at Yeah, 18. I was just like, I still actually don't know what I want to do. Um, so I went to a careers advisor and, the, and I... You know, I said, okay, I like psychology. I'm doing that A level. I'm doing R A level. I just actually have no idea. And, and they suggested, have you looked into advertising marketing? Because it's kind of using the two in an interesting way, but also, um, you know, earning some money while you're doing it. Um, so that's kind of how it came about. But honestly, it it wasn't one of those things that I really at eleven thought. I'm going to be in advertising. Mm. I, I mean, I don't think many people are, to be completely no. honest. But um, it's one of the, the growing, still now, you know, one of the biggest kind of growing industries in the UK mm. and, and worldwide as well. And yeah. it's great to see all the new talent. Like, I've been down to New Blood it's a few great times. This it's year. awesome. Like, there's yeah. so many, I mean, it's incredible. Like, such so much young talent and, and incredible the quality of work. I mean, I'd hate to be those judges. I know. It's so hard to kind of choose. It, I was actually a New Blood judge this year oh, cool. uh, for a category uh, for Adidas. And it was all about getting young people, especially girls, um, into sports uh, between the age of 15 and 19. And the entries were insane. They were most highest standard. We really struggled. We we're in there all day trying to decide who won, who won a yellow pencil, who you know, who gets uh, graphite, etc. And it was the most amazing day just looking at these young, you know, the young work and thinking, Okay, my, like my job's on the line here because these people are very, very good. Yeah. Um, so it was amazing. And you've also won some awards, which is how does that make <laughs> you feel? Like Campaign Magazine, Future Female Leaders, oh. Creative Review, Creative <laughs> Leaders, Hospital Club 100. Nice work. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, I, through, through running She Says and through running Who's Your Mama, which is a mentor scheme, which I think I'm going to talk about in a minute, um, I'm constantly putting on events or seeing things around imposter syndrome. And funnily, although I'm always like, come on, you come supporting other women. But when I win those wars myself, I also get that imposter syndrome. I'm like, are you sure you meant me? Okay, that's that's fine. Which is, I hate that about, you know, myself and, me, and many women with always self-doubting. Um, but it's great. It's, it's a great confidence boost and also... As much as it, sh it shouldn't always be, but awards also help with future jobs and they help rec just general recognition to so that I can continue to um, progress in my career. So they're really great, um, great honours. That's amazing. And and something that you're you know very passionate about and, and as, you know, the, the industry is evolving, there's still a lot more work to be done, but it's great, you know, in terms of the she says and, 
and the Who's Your Mama in terms of powering women in, in the creative field. But just let's go into kind of Refinery29 and, you know, that is female-focused content. That's something that, that obviously passion and you being able to kind of kind of put your stamp on the, the creative from coming over back from Dubai was, did you always have your kind of, your sights set on doing something related to kind of female creative and kind of being in that space? Um, I, I think my interest and wanting to get into she says and especially when I got back wanting to speak to Laura JB um, really stemmed from the fact that I didn't have any female role models when I worked in Dubai it was very male heavy yeah. as most places are male heavy um, agency every single person in the senior position was a man and I didn't feel like I had any female role models so when I came back that's kind of why I wanted to go head first into she says as well as restarting the mental scheme because it was something that I lacked and, and as soon as I had it, I really felt the difference that it was making to my confidence, the difference it was making to my career. Um, and just it's so powerful just to to have an amazing group of women around you. It's just there's something about it that you you just can't beat. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so we might as well, let's, yeah. let's talk about that. Sure. Because um, for the for some of you who might have listened, we had uh, Laura Jordan Bumbach on uh, one of the other episodes. If you haven't checked it out, do listen to it. Um, and obviously Casey had worked and was one of the first um, presidents nominated. So so for those that haven't heard about She Says, um, what is it? Sure. Uh, so She Says is an, uh, a non-profit organization for women in advertising and marketing. It was founded, um, for gosh, like 10, 11 years ago. Um, and there's, uh, I think, like 30 different chapters around the world, um, different cities, and they run in completely unique ways. And what's amazing about Laura and Ali, the founders, is they just let you kind of run it however you want to. So as long as you're going to give it your all, um, really just try and help progress the rest of the industry, they'll just kind of let you run it however you want, which is really amazing. That's awesome. So how did you become one of the first ever nominated presidents? So I became the first president of She Says because I had been working within the team for about three, four years. Um, I was running lots of events and I, I like to think I was taking a lot of um, initiative when it came to helping She Says grow in London and and, and develop. I also relaunched the mentor scheme called Who's Your Mama in 2015 as well with uh, Emma Perkins and Rachel Gott. Um, we were growing that and and. I felt like I was putting in a lot of work um, and I kind of wanted to progress as, as if you would in a normal career um, and sort of take it on more. And, and I really wanted to to take the next step in She Says and help lead and find new ways of, of developing the brand. So I actually worked with Emma Perkins, who I was running the mentor scheme with, to kind of craft my my pitch to Laura to say, okay, I, this is what I'm doing so far, this is what I want to do. Um, can I be, I didn't know what the roles could be, whether yeah. it's like director or leader or whatever it might be. And actually, Laura came straight back to me, funnily enough, and I, I really believe like so when you put something out to the universe, it's kind of already manifesting, really. She came straight back to me and said, um, actually, I've been thinking about this already. Uh, uh, do you want to be the first president? You can be the president. And then what it can do is allow women in she says something to to work towards and then it allows you to kind of um in full transparency help your profile as a female creative uh build a team change it however you want to 
and keep passing the baton on to the next person and kind of letting different people lead lead the team. So I absolutely, I, I love doing it. I was the president for, for, uh, for 2017 um, and I had a lot of fun, had like brought new people into the team, did new, started new things, did a, a Christmas campaign called I Am Reindeer, which is all about shining a spotlight on female creatives because actually reindeers at Christmas are female, did you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was an amazing opportunity and I loved it. And I was really, um, sad, but kind of happy to, when I stepped away from it all in 2018, cause I just kind of needed to move on and, and sort of let the next, uh, next level of female creatives, uh, lead she says afterwards. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's so great that you were able to support so many female creatives and, you know, it's always great to know when to kind of step away and, and let, mm. and pass the baton as you so rightly put. Um, can you explain what, who's your mama? The mentoring yeah. arm is. Yep. So who's your mama is a free mentoring scheme that runs in London. They actually also run in different, different places, but London is the biggest and, and the fastest growing, um, we, I think to date, have paired about 350, 400 women. Uh, they're actually about to launch the website, which would ha- which will make everything a load easier. Um, but yeah, you, you get paired with a, a mentor uh, for six months and you meet once a month. And it's all about the mentee leading the scheme. So it's up to the mentee to set the time, set the goals, because essentially it's it's uh, the mentee uh they're driving it because it's they're what they're it. trying to get out of it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's such a rewarding scheme. It's the, it's the thing that I was most passionate about, I think, in She Says. Um, and it still runs today with a, with a new amazing uh, team who are putting all their energy into it. Um, and we've seen the most amazing results from it. People saying that it's helped, you know, change their jobs, given them more confidence boost, uh, come back from maternity leave and feel that they have the support network or a person to to help them. Who's Your Mama also runs events throughout the year. So we do speed mentoring. Um, we do just general networking nights. We do nights where we we celebrate mentee and mentor stories. So it's just the most positive and um, heartwarming thing to ever have been a part of and help and help grow really that's awesome really really cool yeah I'm part of the creative mentor network um, at the moment oh, and yeah. doing, a, doing a similar thing so it's like a 16 week mentoring mentee course and it is it's very rewarding mm. but I think you know I've also learned a lot as well my mentor oh it's a two way is pretty cool it's a two way street a great for business sure. and um, yeah it's just it's just yeah it's just great to kind of kind of continue that conversation and you know learn about different industries and things like that Mm. want to move on to refinery 29 so you were there as branded content lead yes uh creative lead in the branded content team yes (laughs) (laughs) another way of putting it um so so you were there purely to kind of activate brand partnerships and and put together content Yes, so um, the the uh, the creative director at the time went on maternity leave, and so that's why I originally came in. But my role just kept uh, rolling and rolling and rolling because uh, it was such an amazing place to work. So um, there was originally a team of three of us, and by the time I left, I think now there's about six, seven people uh, in the creative team. And essentially, what branded content is, it's about bringing amazing brands together with um, already existing content, in our case, a female online publisher um, that does everything, talks about everything from the latest news 
to beauty, to fashion, to um, to well-being. And so it was our job as a brand and content team to uh, a brand example of Nike. They potentially maybe wanted to talk about uh, something they're already doing. So then it was our job to work out ways that we could merge the two that were the most most authentic and natural. So we've done so many partnerships just in the last year from um, high end like Ganny fashion through to um, Evian through to Braun trying to change the way that Braun is talking to women. So, for example, with Braun, we we created these amazing videos using different women talking about their journey and their experience with hair from a woman who has had bad um, uh, hormone skin to um, Paris Lees, who's an amazing trans activist, and she speaks about her journey um, as, a, as a woman dealing with hair. So we, we always want to challenge brands at Refinery29 and and you know, be really progressive and take brands, some, you know, often out of their comfort zone because they want to be talking to these progressive, um, you know, future thinking women. And that often just gets the best results as well. Yeah. And, you know, you're seeing it a lot in terms of like big kind of online media uh, platforms now creating a lot of their own original content and also the branding content. So I guess in that case, brands coming to Finding 29 wanting to, um, kind of collaborate with you guys to kind of do something different that aims mm. at forward-thinking women? Yeah, I mean, also it's about, for brands, it's about integrating themselves into a conversation and into a place where women already are. So they're already on Refinery29 there. They want to be talking about certain things and it's about integrating a brand naturally into that conversation that aligns the brand with the values and the, the thinking that that these women are already, you know, talking, thinking about. Um, as with, you know, there's many great publishers that are doing amazing branded content right now from Dazed Magazine through to obviously Refinery. Vogue do great branded content. Um, Kyra, they're doing great stuff. So I really think branded content is absolutely booming right now. And I think brands are realizing that their money should be spent a lot more with branded content, especially targeting a younger audience, for example, um, versus traditional TV and, and poster and stuff. Mm. So, But there is, I guess there is a gray area though, I think. Mm. Um, and I'd love to get your take on it. You know, yeah. the big example of being with uh, Kendall Jenner and Pepsi. Um, but we don't have to go into that. But you know what <laughs> I mean? Like in terms of a brand wanting to culturally or align to a socio-demographic, um, you know, in this case, great example of Friday 29, purely looking at kind of um, forward-looking women. Mm. Um, you know, what makes great branded content? Like, isn't there not a gray area? Or I guess it's like your job to handhold the brand to ensure that it is authentic to your audience, but then also playing kind of the right values back to that brand and making sure that collaboration is authentic as possible. Of course. I mean, that's the thing with branded content. We need to guarantee results as well, whether it's click-throughs, whether it's yeah. just... Um, uh, awareness, etc., and I think that the, the heart of branded content is always led, especially for Refine Twenty Nine. It's always led by um, uh, audience insights. Everything always stems from an audience insight. So we'll never do a brand. Uh, we would never have done a branded content piece without it stemming from uh, from a truth that's important to our reader. Um, and if the brand 
didn't like it, then they w- they wouldn't they won't end up going with us, obviously. Um, but of course, you're right. There is a that fine line of making sure the client gets return f- for their money, and also making sure it doesn't just look like a big advert on yeah. on a piece of content. So it's about always finding that fine line, and 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 I agree. I think a lot of it is education and talking it through the client and um, making them see why doing it this way is 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 the right way and this is actually will get the the right um reaction versus if you just do a big ad you see it so often the comments and everything just stream down of this is so obvious this is brand content you know no matter what platform it's on and and clients see it too you know they're uh they're in the know so you're right is that that fine line but when it's done right, it has an amazing result and um, it's really positive. Yeah, and I can imagine like any, whether an online or offline publisher, ultimately, you know, having an in-house creative team, you know your audience better than anyone else. So then to be able to kind of work with that brand and then kind of create a, a content, it might be some type of editorial piece. I saw the stuff that you that you did with Annie Mack, the 21 yeah, question, yeah, 29 questions. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was um, really hard to think of 29 questions. Yeah. I was like, oh, gosh. Well, very good. It was seventy-two. That was a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's an already existing piece of content that you're pushing out, but then looking at how you can wrap it in an authentic way with a brand, and yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And so, like in your experience, obviously, you know, all the different agencies that you've worked at and working with brands. I mean, just generally for you, um, kind of what would be your kind of creative process? So uh, obviously it, it depends each time, but we, as a general creative process, a creative would always receive a brief. The brief would have come from the client and and usually and hopefully then gone through um, the, uh, the new business or strategy team to really carve and mold that brief to make sure um, it's really investigated sort of why this product is relevant to this audience, why, you know, what's the insight, what are the insights, what are the key takeouts and uh, what are the deliverables. So it's super clear when a creative gets it and that's why it's so important to have a strong strategist uh, on any team when it comes to advertising. Um, So by the time it gets to the creative, you can read the brief uh, in one page essentially and you're already buzzing with ideas. And I always think that um, when I first started in the industry, sometimes I would get a brief and think, God, I actually have no ideas. I can't think. Oh, my God, I'm so stupid, blah, blah, blah. And I started to realize that the better the the planner or the strategist, the easier it is to get to the creative solution as the creative. So then um, you'd work on that brief for anywhere, anywhere between when branded content, the turnaround is super short, so it could be a day or two. In advertising agencies, it can be weeks. If you're on a pitch, it can be a month or two, three months. Um yeah, so then you'll kind of go through rounds of feedback, then you'll present it to the client. And I, I personally love presenting to clients because I think no one better, there's no one better to present the creative idea than the creative because they say it with so much passion and so much conviction and they get so excited about the idea. It it's just makes sense always just to have the creative in the room if, if, if possible. Um, and then hopefully it's a, it's a win and you the idea goes through. And then you start production. So it could be anything from uh, TV, social, uh, beautiful um, shoot, um, Instagram. You could be working with influencers. So then, yeah, just start the process of production and working out who you're going to work with, who who you want, where you want it. Um, for example, I, I did an amazing 
project with Doctor Who last year. And I said the, to my producer, who's one of the best producers, I was like, is it really weird? I kind of want it in the Science Museum. And she was like, leave with me. <laughs> and then a week later, she's like, I made it happen. Oh, so amazing. we shot in the Science Museum, which was loads of fun. So just these kind of little perks. And it was just made the creative uh, the creative outcome just so much more special. And, uh, and the client loved it as well. So yeah, things like that are really, really fun. Awesome. So I know you're a big promoter of all things freelancers. Yes. Um, and you have, what would you call it, a body, a company, an initiative called the Freelance Circle? Yeah. How, I, how, I how call, describe I, it? What I, call it? it um, I call it a, 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 a venture. A venture? Yeah, you're right, because it's okay. not a, I, I'm still developing it. But it's, um, it's pretty slick. You know, I looked at the website. It's, it looks pretty official. So congrats. You. It looks really Thanks. nice. Actually having a refresh in about a month. So no, it looks watch great. the space. Um, so yeah, tell us what the freelance circle is. Sure. So essentially the, the, the freelance circle stemmed from me being um, frustrated with the, the industry as a freelancer myself. Um, often I'd work in places where I had really bad onboarding experiences or I was sitting at my desk for say two days without a brief or um, I wasn't paid on time or or it could be completely the, the, uh, the opposite and I had the most amazing experience and I, I couldn't wait to continue to to work there. And I was noticing it was happening more and more with other freelancers who were having uh, really up and down experiences. And as businesses, especially in the last few years, have been um, downsizing, there have been many redundancies, etc. And many businesses are understanding and seeing a, the benefit in a more flexible and fluid workforce, aka freelancers, it made it didn't make any sense for me for nobody to be kind of checking the standards and, and to be kind of calling it out, essentially. So I started the Freelance Circle, which is um, the world's first, I always say, it just, it just has a bit of gravitas, the world's first um, review site where freelancers can go on and anonymously review places that they've worked in the advertising, marketing, and media world. Um, it's all a five-star rating system, so your review of, say, JWT will then get added to an overall score of that agency. So you can then, um, people review things from being paid on time, what was the onboarding like, how was the culture, because culture is a real big one actually for freelancers as well, um, through to would you recommend freelancing there? So the website allows people to go in and, and, and have their say and have their voice, but also they can go on there and say they have two different options of places to work, go on there and say, gosh, this place does not pay on time. This place gets five stars, always pays on time. Of course, I'm going to go there. So um, the, the aim is that it's a way to kind of, kind of give businesses as well a bit of a kick up the bum to say, right, come on, you know, if you want to attract better freelancers, up your game and become more appealing to freelancers. The the better the freelancer, the better le of level of work, the better, uh, the more happy the clients are. Business, uh, you know, it makes complete business sense to me. And how 
did you set it up? Like, are you building the site? Like, are you in partnership with someone? Or is like, you know, was this a concept that you just created a while ago? Is it something new? Yeah, so I started two years ago, um, had the concept, commissioned an amazing uh, web designer to build it all. And over the last two years, it's had about 400 reviews, mostly in London, um, but some in New York, some in Barcelona, Amsterdam, a few from Dubai. So it's kind of it's kind of spreading here and there. Um, as well as that, there's a Facebook group called the Freelance Circle that's private and allows freelancers to to share things, to ask questions, to have frustrations, to to you know um, share jobs that they've seen that they can't take. So it's quite a nice community as well. Um, and then on top of that, in the last year, I've been growing it out to different offerings. So. I had a, a contract made with a lawyer last year because I was kind of fed up of not having my own terms and conditions as a freelancer. But having bookings cancel at the last minute, not being paid on time, um, sort of the gray area of what's my work when I've, I've worked in, a, in an agency. So I also have been um, sharing that and selling that to freelancers as well in the last sort of six months as well. So I think Quite a few people have, have, have bought that contract and are using that themselves. So it's kind of a tool to help people empower themselves as, as freelancers and as as business people. Yeah, no, that's 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 really cool. And to be able to like empower freelancers and, and especially coming back from your own experience, mm. kind of, you know, realizing that those issues are real, you know. Yeah. And especially the culture one is really interesting because I think you're right. Because I guess, I don't know, I can imagine, you know, Say, for example, like a freelancer goes into like a fintech business, it might be very stuffy and full mm. of suits and you're trying to come up with a brand identity. It might not be, you know, the best culture. Yeah. <laughs> um to be being... a to be a stereotype. But you know what I mean? I think that's 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 a really kind of cool uh thing that you add. Mm. And I think we we I've seen by by collecting all this data I'm able to kind of analyze different situations so even if people aren't paid on time if the um the culture is good they would actually still recommend working there whereas if their the onboarding and the briefing was really bad but they were paid on time they often wouldn't recommend working there again because also it's, it's wasting their time it's wasting the business's time but from a culture point of view i've worked in some agencies where by the third day i feel like i'm genuinely part of the team and i'm friends with everyone and i'm going out for lunch with them and other places where Nobody introduced themselves. I've tried to say hi and it's awkward and I'm in the corner. You know, yeah. it really puts you off somewhere and I'm thinking, show what, I'm going to start looking for another job by the end of the week. So um, it really does make a difference to, to a freelancer's life. And how are you promoting it? Like, are you, are you pushing it out there to, to get freelancers to use it? Yeah, so I mean, it, I, I go through waves of, of different ways of promoting it and, and things like that. But at the moment, mostly it's via Twitter, via the Facebook group. Um, often when uh, a new person rates a company or a new, a new company is added and it's low or high or whatever, I'll share that on Twitter and I will name the companies um, and say uh, there's one company in particular who have had really bad um, reputation when it comes to paying on time and I, I called them out on Twitter a few months ago just because a lot of freelancers started to say they wanted to threaten legal action and stuff like that. That's also where the kind of contract came from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just kind of slowly and organically do it. But I also want to, and my plan is to expand the freelance circle to being more than just a review site. It's going to be, and I'm in the process of doing this right now, a, a site where 
You can um, check for day rates. So say I'm a copywriter with five years experience and I work in digital and blah, blah, blah. I can go on there and and see um, see how much other people are charging. Yeah, like the benchmark, yeah. But also it's, it's a place where people can put their own uh, salaries in there. So I can also go on there and say, okay, actually I'm a woman and I'm a female, co- I'm a female copywriter of five years. On this list, all the guys who have the exact same experience charge more than me. Yeah. What am I doing? Let me yeah. up my rate. So it's about kind of helping people know what's right and wrong. Um, I also, it's going to be a resource, a place where people can go on and, and get advice. Um, I'm going to be starting to, by the end of the year, offer out sort of uh, consultancy offerings and uh, coaching as I'm doing a, a coaching course at the moment. So it's somewhere that freelancers can come and, um, so, or if they want to go into freelancing, come and get advice and I can have a call with them, help give them some tips or, or coach them into potentially taking that leap or they're the beginning of their journey and just need that kind of um, guidance. So um, there's a lot of different places that it's going and I'm really excited by it. So. Well, that's awesome. Like, yeah, congrats and look forward to seeing how it, how it grows. Thank you. Um, what tips would you give someone that wants to start out maybe as a freelancer or just to kind of get into the industry? Um, if someone wants to start as a freelancer, I think I would always say to um, have a bit of uh, a pot of cash saved up because it's always a little bit hard at the beginning to sort of establish yourself and get your foot on the ground and start making contacts. I'd also say as a creative, um, if you have a portfolio, make sure your portfolio is really up to scratch because it's something that people are going to be looking at every single week. So make sure you have your amazing work on there, but make sure you you show off your personality as well and add your your passions or hobbies. A friend of mine is a, she's a poet. So I always tell her to put her poetry on there. Another friend of mine uh, does uh, photography for stars and uh, the moon and things like that. So she's got all of her astronomy on there. And it just kind of creates a bit of a character. So businesses know that they're not just getting a kind of a blank canvas freelancer in, but they're getting a creative and a person and someone with with other interests as well. Um, I'd always say to make sure you've really researched and established your day rate, which is something hopefully the freelance circle database will be able to help you with. Make sure you're not uh, underselling yourself because that can happen a lot. Um do you think um, there's specific services that are in more demand at the moment? It's hard. Um, I mean, it kind of chops and changes throughout the last few years. I started noticing a kind of decline in uh, art directors and, and a rise in designers. And I think that was through like a cut of costs for many clients and agencies because they kind of wanted someone who could do it all. Yeah. I think the more you can do, do a few yeah. things, the the... the the more profitable you are for a company. So the kind of the hybrids, and that's something I would tell younger people, it's great to be in a, a niche. But if you have a few skills up your, your up your sleeve or if you're doing a an evening course in UX, even if it's just the basics, you're kind of really adding a, a whole new dimension to yourself as a freelancer and then you become more attractive. And for younger people that will be listening to this podcast, um, would you recommend kind of getting some like experience in the industry before doing freelancing or kind of going straight to freelancing? In my personal opinion, I definitely think it really helps to get your foot in the door somewhere for a short period or, you know, for a while. I think myself, having worked at Ogilvy for three years, first of all, with A, but my confidence, I knew how things worked in the process. So I definitely think as a young 
creative coming into the industry, it, it really would benefit them to get their foot in the door somewhere, understand who does what and what the roles are, um, and, and go from there. Most of the freelance jobs that I, I see are for mid-weight to senior anyway. So I I think there are less need, there's less need for a junior junior creative or whatever. Yeah, and I think be. it's, yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, it's so important to understand like the process mm-hmm. and the workflow. Yeah, and respect and, it, and then and then you can challenge it. Yeah, but also it, I can imagine it being quite tough. You know, I'm not a freelancer myself, but you know, even doing you know like a side hustle like the podcast, it's you know in, as a day job I have a commercial role, so I have an understanding of like reaching out to people and talking mm-hmm. to kind of people you've not met before and things like that. But I can imagine for some creatives they might be amazing at designing but they're they're not going to sit there and reach out to people on linkedin so i can imagine it you've got to have a lot of kind of different things you need to think about whether it's understanding how to invoice understanding how to design how to talk to a client how to reach out and get new business i think the ultimate could be you know making relationships with cds at creative directors at agencies and stuff so you have like a longer term relationship and all those things to think about so i think you see there's there's quite a few other bodies out there and obviously um you know the, the dots is quite a big one yeah, the dots and is great. um you know kind of in real life uh meetups and stuff like that for freelancers yeah. to kind of learn some of these skills and then you know to have something like freelance circle which can you know provide more info on you know where to work and not yeah. work then that's that's great avoid. but there is still a lot yeah. to, to be able to do i think as a freelancer completely I, I think as a freelancer you're so right it's um your your new business your finance yeah your <laughs> you know you learn so many different skills as a freelancer but i agree i think you need to learn the 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 law essentially first of all and know how to how to do these things and how much you should be invoicing and when you should push back on a on a brief and when you should take it, etc. So yeah, I definitely think this. There are so many things you need to learn before you can kind of just, especially also just networking. Like we said, knowing people, it's so hard when you don't actually know anyone. And for you now personally, are you um, like focusing on freelance circle and and continue to do some more freelance gigs now, or are you looking for full time? So for the next few months, I'm focusing on the freelance circle and expanding out um, the coaching and the consultancy. Um, I may do some freelance jobs on the side, but I'm actually quite open-minded if something really amazing comes along. I would be really interested in uh, some uh, less so typical ad agencies. That's kind of where I've moved away from, but um, the kind of publisher or brand of content world is still super cool and really, really fun. But Right this minute, it's uh, the freelance circle and just kind of keeping my head in one place. Awesome. And how do you keep yourself motivated? You know, are you, do you have a routine? Do you kind of go for a walk? Do you go to the gym? Because it can be quite easy to sit around the house and watch TV. Obviously, I'm not saying you're doing that, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like what, what kind of gets you up and, and keeps you focused? I mean, you know, in, in all honesty, the freelance circle, it's been running for two years officially. I've obviously then behind the scenes for about two and a half, three years. So it has gone through ebbs and flows, as I'm sure anyone listening has a side project. And even, you know, with yourself as well, it's kind of doing, uh, putting loads of energy into it and then like losing your interest a bit and then coming back. So I've just, every time someone um, does a review on the freelance circle, it re-motivates me to be like, right, okay, yeah, you're right, this is needed. Or if someone messages me saying, okay, thanks for, you know, just putting this up or allowing freelancers just to kind of be a bit like middle finger back to some agencies who treat them really badly. Um, 
that's kind of a motivation as well. But um, in terms of keeping motivation going, like I was saying, the last two months, I've been doing a few side projects, a few commissions, but mostly, yeah, working from home and working remote, which is, I have had my days where I just sit and watch Netflix. Yeah. Uh, which actually, <laughs> it's, it's, good though. I it's think, harder I think to switch off. people beat themselves up about being I like know. a certain thing or, and, I, and I, I was smiling then because I completely agree, you know, for me naturally ended up kind of having a bit of a hiatus in August with the podcast. And, you know, um, that was partly because amazing people are away on holiday and they deserve a well, a well good break. Um, and then it just, it worked out well. And then I got those nuggets of, of kind of appreciation or comments or people yeah. wanting to be on the podcast. And that really did reinvigorate me and looking forward, you know, to sitting down with you as kind of the, the, the next wave uh, of people I'm recording until for the end of the year. So it's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, don't beat yourself up about it. Listen to your body. If you need yeah. to rest, rest. But, you know, just keep focused. And, yeah, I think the biggest thing, I think some, sometimes we, you know, compare ourselves or think we need to be doing things. But if you're not, you're not. Like, just go with the flow. It's that busy culture, the busy thing where everyone's yeah. busy, busy all the time. And it's a status symbol. Um, but I completely agree. And I think I'm sure you're the same. When I switch off from the freelance circle or, or you know, switch off from your podcast, actually when new ideas start flowing. Absolutely, yeah. When I'm going for walks or, um, you know, just out in the countryside is where I'm like, oh, maybe I could do this with it or that with it. It's when you stop putting so much pressure on things, mm. it's when I think they flow. Um, but, yeah, there is so much pressure, I think, especially with social media and everything, with everyone seeming to be doing these really cool things all the time. And it, it's quite frustrating. You're like, okay, hold on, let me switch off from what they're doing, which is probably not even true anyway. Yeah, focus on you. And focus on yeah. you. Um, where is this going? And just kind of go with the flow a little bit, which is something I do struggle with. But, um, yeah, it, it, even the guilt of um, just sitting and watching Netflix all day, I'm like, God, maybe I shouldn't be. It's like, actually, it's good just to spend a day just doing nothing yeah. and, and just allowing yourself just to kind what, of your brain been, to turn what, off. What have you been watching? I've actually just finished Orange is the New Black. Okay. I do think I'm the last person to yeah, still... Yeah, like, nobody's <laughs> like a few still years with, ago. <laughs> it's the last series, and I was like, I'm sticking with this to the bitter end. Oh, awesome, that's good. Yeah, but I feel like everyone else dropped off and just let it go, but that's what happens. Amazing. Um, well, yeah. sadly, we're coming to the end of the episode now, um, but just to wrap up, how can people find you, or what, what are the social channels or the, or, or the sites um, of Freelance Circle and things like that? Sure. So me personally, is any uh, any social handle is Casey J Bird. If it's the Freelance Circle, it's www.thefreelancecircle.com, and then it's that on any sort of social platform as well. Um, yeah, and obviously feel free to please check out She Says and Who's Your Mama if you're a female uh, listening to this as well. It's an amazing um, organization. So, yes, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's awesome. And I will be sure to put all those links that Casey mentioned down in the show notes below. So do check it out. But thank you so much, Casey. I think it's been great because I know there's a lot of young people that um, listen to this podcast. And I think kind of getting that insight into your experience, especially as a female creative and to learning about the freelance circle has been really valuable. So thank you so much and hope you have a great rest of your summer. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast can intrigue, inspire, and provide some key tips and tricks for a lot of people. I would really appreciate your help to grow the community. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast, then please send it their way. And if you can subscribe and leave a review, it would mean so much and it really supports the show. Thank you and see you next week.